0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Once again, Lord, we pray that you will speak through your word. Father, we pray that you will use weak and broken vessels, Lord, to communicate great and wonderful truth. Pray that your Holy Spirit, Father, your spirit, will shed light upon this passage. Gracious God, I ask to draw close to hearer, speaker, signer alike. That Lord God, you might indeed be glorified. In Jesus' name, Amen. We'll open your Bibles, as you say, to Luke 18. Jesus has been speaking. his disciples about the second coming. That's what he's been speaking about and last week we've been looking at that as well and there's a phrase that I want you to remember because uh, last week Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. We're now moving to chapter 18 which really is a part of the previous chapter And and the writer Luke he wants to keep in mind the second coming. And so Jesus, as he now um, 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 opens up, he, he speaks about something that's very, very important. Most preachers, when they come to this passage, they quickly get to the widow. They want to rush and they want to speak about this poor widow who um, was in a situation. But that is premature, I think. Because Jesus says something very important in the first verse. So um, in Luke 18 verse 1, look what he says. It's very important. He says this. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. This is what he says that's very important. Men always ought to pray. The prayer that ought to be on a man's lips, the prayer that ought to be on a woman's lips, the prayer that ought to be on a Christian lips is the prayer which says Maranatha. That's the prayer that should be on the Christian lips all the time. Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus. That's the prayer that should be on every Christian lips. The prayer marinath. But as you see our society getting wicked, as you see our society getting darker, as you see our society going so far away from the principles of God, and we begin to see that, we tend to lose a heart, don't we? We tend to think that. Everyone's not a Christian. All my friends are not Christians. I seem to be the only one going to church. In my family, no one else seems to be wanting to be in the house of God. And we begin to get discouraged. But Jesus wants to encourage you this morning and say, Men are always to pray. Don't lose heart. Even though around you things look dark and grim. And maybe you're the only Christian at school or college. Maybe you're the only Christian in your family. Don't lose heart. Men always to pray. Well, as Jesus seeks to encourage us to pray, um, of course we realise that many people in our society all think highly of prayer. You hear of a disaster and people who are not Christians will say, oh, pray for uh, the people in that disaster. Or if someone loses someone, oh, we're praying for you. And those terms, but in order to pray, you need to have a relationship with God. In order to pray, there needs to be a time when you have said, "I have sinned against, I have rebelled against God. I am His enemy. I'm against Him, and and I need His forgiveness." There needs to be that statement said to, in your own heart, I need to be put right with God. And once you are, that relationship is, is brought together again, then you can pray. Every now and again, my, my son Joseph, he doesn't do it very often, to come to me and say, Dad, could you slip me 20 pounds? And I should give him the evil eye. Why? He doesn't do anything because he's working, but he used to, you know, ask me if he can, you know, um, have some money. And, and every single time, and Josie will tell you, I've never refused him. I always gave him the money he'd asked for. In fact, when I gave him some, Kim gave him even more. But you know, you've been in a car park when some guy comes to your window and they, pss, pss, hey, hey. give me a hand happens to me all the time, it seems, some, some drug addict, alcoholic geezer comes to my window asking me for a pound. I turn him and say, why are you talking to me? You're not getting anything. And the reason why he's not getting anything is because he's not in relationship with me. I don't know him. I, I haven't given birth to him. Well, you know, I think he birthed to Joseph, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, but you know that he's in not in relationship with me. There's no reason why he should ask me. But when my son comes to me and asks me, there's a relationship being already there formed. And so prayer is only effective once you're in a relationship with God. That's so important. And um, we need to realize that when you're speaking about prayer, it's about being in right Relationship. Now, prayer is both simple and difficult. So, first, my first heading is this the simplicity of prayer. Prayer is very simple. One of the reasons why prayer is very simple is because you can pray anytime, any place, anywhere. Anytime you can come to God. I'm reminded of a man in the old testament. And he was a cupbearer to the king. He was Nehemiah and he had an interview with the king. And the Bible turns around and says, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to, God of, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. How did he manage to pray for the God? The king said, What do you want? And Nehemiah was standing there. He didn't have time to, to go into his closet or to go into his prayer room. He had no time. But there, in front of the king, he said a prayer to God. Our oh, prayer is so simple. You can pray anytime, any place, anywhere. But only that prayer is simple um, because you do not need. Any qualifications to pray? Sometimes I hear some people pray and I don't even understand them myself. <laughs> oh, thou with God who liveth high in the throne room of glory. You think to yourself, is he English or is he speaking something else? I'm not too sure. You do not need any qualifications to pray. And I like this, what it says about the disciples. Look what it says. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Unschooled, uneducated, ordinary men. What was the difference about them? They were able to spend time with Jesus. No qualifications needed. How wonderful. Prayer is so simple. You and I can come into the presence of God without a PhD or MA. Prayer is simple because you can pray as long as you want or as short as you want. Very simple because you can pray as long as you want. Unlike Jesus, the Bible said one of these days Jesus went out on mountainside to pray and he spent a night praying to God. All night. It's not like God was up in heaven and said, why don't you just be quiet? You need to be praying half the night. No, you can pray all night if you want to. God will never get bored of hearing your voice. Isn't that wonderful? God will never get tired of you coming to him and spending the night with him. Never get tired of you hearing your voice. Sometimes you might say, well I have no words. I can't speak to God. But listen to the psalmist. I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping. I drench my couch with tears. Sometimes there's no words to speak to God. But the tears are flowing. And the tears are coming from a broken heart. But God hears even wordless prayers. Prayers are so simple. Pouring out your heart to God. Another reason why prayer is so simple is because you don't need to be in any formal position. In Great Britain we like to put our hands together and close our eyes. Don't know why we got that move from. But you can... Pray with your eyes open. You can pray pray when you're driving. You can pray when you're sitting. You pray when you're kneeling. You can pray flat on your face. You can pray with great shouts or with whispers. You can pray in your mind. Prayer is so simple. Some, Some writer says, I don't care how you get there. Get there if you can. And what God said, I don't care how you get into my presence. I don't care what time of day it might be. I don't care what hour it is in your life. I don't care if you have to fall on your face or walk down the street. But get into my presence. Because I want to have fellowship with you. Men ought always, says Jesus, to pray. And that is the encouragement to you and to me that prayer is such a wonderful thing. God himself encourages us to come into his presence and to spend time with him. So prayer is simple. But not only is prayer simple, that's my first heading, there's difficulty in prayer as well. The difficulty of prayer. Prayer. <coughs> Jesus knows that there's difficulty in prayer and so he encourages you and he encourages me, men, or always, to pray. Firstly, the reason why it's difficult is because Satan himself has access to God. You know that. The Bible tells us that Satan himself has access to God. He can go into God's presence. And having access to God, he knows that a child of God has even greater access to the Father. Satan knows that he's not a child. Satan knows that he's he's been rejected, he's been thrown out. But he knows that he can come into God's presence. But he also knows that you and I have a free access into the presence of God. And so the Bible first turns around and says things like this. Now, all of us can come to the Father. I love that. All of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Every single one, young or old, rich or poor, wise or unwise, all of us can come into the presence of God. How about this verse? This is a wonderful verse as well. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Friends, when you pray and you come into God's presence, you're in an undeserved privilege. Standing In the presence of God, knowing that you have sinned, knowing that you have rebelled, knowing that once God has been angry with you, and yet you stand in an undeserved place in His presence. Now, Satan knows all this, but not only does he know this, he knows that there's great reward for those who stand in an undeserved place. In the presence of God. He knows this great reward. The Bible turns around in James 4. And says draw near to God. And God will draw near to you. Again Psalm fifty says this. Call on me in a day of trouble. And I will deliver you. And you will honour me. I will deliver you. And not only will I deliver you, but you will praise me because i delivered you. There's great promises for coming into God's presence. But how about Jeremiah 33? Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. There's encouragement to you to come and to call and to spend time and to stand in the presence of God. Now Satan knows this. And so he's going to put every obstacle in your way to stop you from praying. He knows that you have free access. He knows that God promises to reveal to you things and speak to you and and encourage you and and, and forgive you. He knows that. So he will put every obstacle he can muster in front of your way to stop you praying. I can spend time on this because I know that God blesses a church when the church begins to cry out to him in prayer. Satan knows it too. But you have access. I was um, watching the news a few months ago and David Cameron was coming out of the um, number 10, coming out of um, Downing Street. It was, it was his final day. And as he stood outside Downing Street, Um, he had his wife and his three kids, his son and his two daughters. And uh, all the cameramen was all on the side taking photographs of him and and none of them could speak to um, the Prime Minister. They were were held back by a barrier. But when he got into the car, his children and his wife had access to him that no one else can have. I thought about President Obama as well. His daughters are able to walk into the Oval Office. You and I can't walk there, but they can walk in. Why? And they can have access. Well, why? Because they belong to him. Satan knows that you have access to the Almighty God. And you and I both know, let's be honest, lay right out here, you and I both know that the weakest part of our Christian lives is our prayer life, Right? Our prayer lives are the weakest area. Our church attendance is pretty cool. You know, our you know, our our Bible knowledge, we know a few things about the Bible, that's okay. But our praying, you and I both know that our praying is the poorest area in a whole lot of our Christian lives. We know that. And the reason why is because the enemy knows how much, how wonderful it is for you to have access to God so he will put every stumbling block in your way to stop you from praying. Let's move on. Because not only is it difficult because Satan knows how wonderful prayer is. It's difficult because you yourselves can be an enemy to prayer. You see praying is not natural. It's not. Praying is not something men do. Praying to God, naturally, men hate God. Remember in the garden when Adam sinned? The first thing Adam did was run. He didn't run to God, he ran away from God. The first thing Adam did was hide. He didn't want to come out and speak to God, he wanted to hide from God. And men naturally want to run from God time and time again. And so prayer is something Which you, in your natural state, don't want to do. Because it's a spiritual work. When a man is born again, when a man becomes a new creature in Christ, the old man, the old Adam that runs away from God, is done away with. And now the the, the new man wants to come to God, but the old man is still there pulling us away. And we need to be aware of that because we ourselves can be our own worst enemy when it comes to seeking God in prayer. But Jesus encourages us and he says, men ought always to pray. You see, when a Christian man, when a Christian woman, when a person of faith stops praying, you can expect a number of things to happen. When some, when a Christian stops praying, a number of things happen. The first thing that happens is that there's an increase and a strengthening of sin in their lives. When a man or woman stops praying, there's an increase and strengthening of sin. I look at my Bible in the Old Testament and I read the story of Samson. Do you know, if you read the story of Samson, he's one of the prophets in the Bible who hardly prays throughout his whole life. You read it and Samson was born in a miraculous and wonderful way. His birth was announced by angels and as he grew up, he became strong in the things of God but he doesn't pray. And because he doesn't pray, sin. Becomes stronger and stronger and stronger in his life. There's a spider just um, hanging around. Hey Rachel, do you, now? you can't see from the back there, but you know. I'm looking out, and this spider is watching me. Yeah. Sin has a strength, a hold. When you don't pray, like Samson, you might start off well, but you end up with your eyes being pulled out, being bound and being chained. When Christians stop praying, sin becomes stronger in their lives. When a Christian stops praying, the second thing that could happen, there's a a lack of a love as a lack of love from hearing and reading God's word. When a Christian starts praying, he doesn't like to read the word anymore. He doesn't really like to come to church much anymore. When he stops praying, these things go. I praise God I haven't got teenagers like this, but I know that you can have a teenager that likes running up the stairs and locking themselves in their bedroom. Maybe they got a few bolts to lock and to keep the wicked, evil parents out from their room. But the reason why they're in their bedroom and the reason why they have locked the door is because they don't want to speak to the evil parent downstairs and they don't want the evil parent to speak to them. Parents are not evil, but that's the teenage thought, you know, my parents... And so they lock the parent out. You know, when you don't pray, you begin to lock God out. And you begin to say, you know what, I don't want to speak to God. And I definitely don't want him telling me how I should live my life. I don't want him to be involved in my life. So I cut him out. And I'm going to cut my Bible reading out. I'm going to cut my church attending out. Why? Because I stopped praying. Don't want God to be a part of my life. And so, that you can have a difficulty because prayer, (coughs) a lack of prayer, will mean a lack of love for God's word. The final thing, there's more maybe, but one of the final things I'm going to say this morning is that um, a lack of prayer will bring an outward form of faith without an inward reality. There will be an outward form You come to church, you haven't prayed all week, but you come to church, Jesus, I love you. I know that you are mine. I praise you. I worship you. Then on Monday morning, you go right through the whole week and there's no prayer at all. No communication with God whatsoever. Then Sunday morning comes and you're at the church again saying, bless you, Jesus. There's an outward showing. And there's no inward reality. It reminds me of a couple in the Bible called Ananias and Sapphira. And, and, and they were so, so interested in getting people to like them and people to honor them that they lied to the Holy Spirit. Because outward appearance was more important to them than inward reality. And when you stop praying, that is what happens. Inward reality becomes nothing. You don't even care about God throughout the week. But on the outside, on a Sunday, you want everybody to see you as a godly Christian person. But the Bible says that God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the heart. And so, Jesus urges his disciples, and he will urge you and me this morning, men ought always to pray. Men and women, Christian people, are always to give themselves to prayer. We know it's simple. It's so easy to pray. But there's difficulties and there's hardship and, and there's things against us for praying. But men should always break through and be a praying people. And the reason why is because, my third point, is because of the preparation of prayer, there's a situation coming down the road for us, as believers. There's a situation coming. And he brings this parable to show what the situation is, is, is going to happen. It's a parable of the story of a poor widow who has no one to defend her, and she's going up against an arrogant, ungodly judge and she has one request her request is simple is this and there's a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea grant me justice against my enemy now I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for what is to come And as I close, hear what I've got to say here. The end is coming near. The kingdom of God is going to draw close. There's going to be a time where Christ will come. We'll be singing it this morning. When Christ will come. And he's speaking about his kingdom. And the Christian will be like this widow This widow who had enemies. Who had adversaries. This widow who was on her own. This widow who was hated by someone. You can ask me, who will hate a widow? Who will be an enemy of a widow? And yet in the story, Jesus says, this widow has an adversary. Listen to what Jesus says about you and I. If the world hates you, keep in mind, that it hated me first. If you belong to the world. It will love you as it is. own. As it is. You do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why. The world. Hates you. You may not be aware of this. But the world. Doesn't agree. With the Bible. Christ. Is opposed. To the things of this world. And people will hate you simply because you're a Christian. They will hate you simply because you won't join in with what they want to do. They will hate you because you don't agree with their perverted evil practices and because you don't agree with their perverted evil practices, they ostracize you and hate you because you belong to Christ. Doesn't make much sense to me. They will accept anyone else. They will accept anyone from any other religion. But if you say, I belong to Jesus, they will hate you. And the reason why Jesus says they will hate you is because they hated him first and so your prayers near the end will change no longer will it be oh lord bless my family oh lord provide for my needs oh lord you know um, know, give me this job oh lord you know guide me throughout my day these prayers are lovely prayers but at the end your prayers will be changing in fact on that day you'll be crying oh lord deliver me From my enemies. Oh Lord protect me. Oh Lord avenge me. Your prayers will change. Let me take you to Revelation. Because Revelation looks into the future. Look at these Christians in Revelation. And will not God. Let's go back to. Revelation. They call out in a loud voice. There's these Christians. You will understand it as we read on. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed, just as they had been. You see, a time is coming when Christians need To be praying. Why? Because it's going to get tough. When the kingdom of God. Begins closer and closer. The society will get darker and darker. And men will get more and more wicked. And they will go against believers. And go against Christians. But Jesus said don't give up. Men are always to pray. Keep on praying. Why? Because God is hearing you. And God is for you. And he's not against you. Keep on praying. Who is up for this? Who is up to speak with the Apostle Paul and to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Who will be up for this? How many Christians will be able to say, you know, I'd rather live for Christ, but if I die, it's going to be a good day. Because I go straight into his presence. For me to live is Christ. I don't care how wicked the society is becoming. I know that I have a God who avenges me. And who protects me. I know that I have a God who's on my side. So whatever the world happens, however wicked the world becomes, I know that Christ is for me. And Jesus was right because he turned around and he said, his widow who was poor and and weak she got an answer from a horrible, ungodly arrogant judge he gave her justice and Jesus was saying how much God who is righteous and holy and pure and good how much more will God himself hear your cry when you're in need hear your plea for mercy let me just put that verse up on the screen because I think it's right there the way he says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And quickly. God promises you and me, don't give up praying. The road might get a bit tricky. People may hate you. They may go against you. But don't give up praying. And I will be near you and I will see that you get justice. Keep on. men, are always to pray. Keep on praying. But Jesus ends with a question. In fact, it's probably one of the most serious questions in the whole of the New Testament. He ends with a question. And the question that Jesus will ask me and the question that Jesus will ask you and here's the question. He says this. Let me just go through these slides. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? In other words, when he returns, will he find a praying church? Will he find men and women calling out to him? Will he find a Christian community that might be surrounded by darkness, might be surrounded by aggression, might be surrounded by adversaries, might be surrounded by bad and wicked people? Would he still find a community of people still having faith in God? My prayer is that may Goldings and may within these walls May there be a mighty group of widows. Poor. Men and women who may have been hurt and lost. Loved ones. And yet they're in the presence of God because they still know that there's a God in heaven. And he's coming home again. He's coming back to the earth again. And when he comes, he comes to redeem and to rescue and to avenge the believer. That is what we need to see in the coming years. But will there be men and women of faith? The question is, where will you be? I know that in past my 17 years of being pastor here, I know that I've seen Christians come and go. Some of them wonderfully gone to other places. But others have gone back into the world. They started well, and they, they've come, and they've been worshiping. But you know, they didn't take the heed of the Lord's word meant all, always to pray. And they stopped praying. And because they stopped praying, the enemy came in and took them completely out. If you want to be, a, if you want to avoid being completely taken out of the game, then continue. Continue to seek God. Continue to be a man or woman who will say, Lord, when you come, I don't care what everybody else is doing, but when you come, I'm making sure that I have faith in you. I'm making sure that I'm in communication with you. I don't know when it's going to happen. So right now, I'm praying for the small things. I'm praying for the things that I need in my family. I'm keeping my communication with you going on a regular basis. But Lord, when you come, I want you to find me praying, Lord. I want you to find me praying. And not sleeping. Brothers and sisters, Christians, hear the word of Christ. Men are always to pray. And not pray. May you and may I go in the next week and say, Lord, I failed. I have not been a praying Christian.
1: I've been the guy that
0: Jerry been mentioning here on a Sunday, worshiping you, and all for the week I'm, I'm prayerless. But Lord, I'm changing this this morning. I'm changing this, Lord. I'm saying I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be a woman who begins to put prayer as a priority in my life. I'm going to change this, Lord, because I want to be the man, the woman that you want me to be. So, Lord, change my heart. Make me into a praying person. That's a prayer. Each of us need to pray. I know I need to pray that prayer. I need to go back into Monday morning saying I want to change. I want to prioritize. Being in the presence of God. Before I close I want to ask my brother John Tebbas to come and join me on the platform here because I want to pray for him. John's been um, had a serious operation about um, two months ago. John, six months ago, ago, a serious operation. You've been praying for him, and it was a serious operation. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and God brought you out wonderfully, didn't He? And um, he's going back for the remaining part of the operation, which is not so serious. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't be crying out to the Lord and praying and raising him up before God. We could be. we can procrastinate, can't we? And not do what we ought to be doing in the presence of God. I want to pray for John that God's healing power will be upon him. let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you said in your word that men are always to pray. And Lord God, we want to be a church praying, oh God, and seeking your face. Father, I pray that you will change every Christian's diary, Lord. That they will no longer be prioritizing unimportant things. But Lord, in their diaries, whether it's on their tablet, on their phones, in their books, Lord, they will put down, I need to be in the presence of God. I need to be praying. I need to be seeking His face. And so gracious God, I pray, outpour a spirit of prayer on this place, we pray, that men ought always to be seeking Your face in the light of that, Lord, we pray for our brother John Tevith. And we thank you, Lord, for his miraculous and speedy recovery six months ago. Lord, it was a serious operation. I saw him in a hospital bed, Lord, completely weakened by the operation. But now he stands before us, Lord, strengthened. Because you have brought him out, Lord, and you have strengthened his body. And I thank you and I praise you for your healing hand upon John Tevith. And my prayer today, God is as he goes back into the operation room again this week, our prayer is that you will go before him, that you will go behind him, and you will surround him with your loving care, and that you will bring him out, Lord, strong and healed and strengthened, Lord, in every way. And while he's laid up in that hospital bed, Lord, may you draw near to him as he draws near to you. And I pray this prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you want to put in your diary Wednesday,